team once this morning, and I am excited to get a chance to start a brand new series with the church this morning titled The Struggle is Real. Uh, I've shared with you a little bit about what that message will look like. It's basically taking uh, from experiences that I have learned over the years with Christians and, and some that I asked of you directly here, what are some struggles that, uh, that you face in your life as a believer? Because I think all of us understand that just because we're believers doesn't mean we're immune to struggles in life. Right? We just have a different way of dealing with those struggles. We have a hope uh, beyond what the world can offer for those struggles and trials. So I hope this series will be a blessing to you. And I figured, what better way to start than to go right into one of the most difficult struggles that we face uh, as believers, and that is forgiveness. So we're going to look at that topic today, and we'll be in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. But before we begin, as we always do, we're going to take a moment to read some verses and spend a, just a couple of moments in quiet prayer, asking God to forgive us of sin, asking God to open our eyes and our hearts this morning to receive His Word and uh, whatever else may be on your heart, and then I'll lead us in prayer together. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 for our verses of confession, verses 9 to 15. These tie in really well with the message today. Uh, and also with the Sunday School lesson about prayer. So this is what is sometimes known as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer from the Lord Jesus. And he says these words in Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we for have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray for a moment. Father, today we ask for your help for a, a topic and a subject, Lord, that is humanly impossible for us to be able to do. Lord, we know how great a debt we've been forgiven by Christ, and yet, Lord, we, we will at some time in our life face hurt, betrayal, uh, and in those moments, Lord, unforgiveness seems like the right way, the easy way, and the way that gives us the most satisfaction, Lord, but according to your word, it's, it's absolutely the wrong way. And, uh, Lord, we, we sometimes know what we need to do, but putting those things into action can sure be tough. And so, Lord, I pray today for each and every one in this room that maybe is struggling with a situation like that or uh, is going to be at some point in their life, that, that they would hear your word today, Lord, but more than that, that they would act on it, that, uh, that it would come today to be the day that uh, we, we take, take action on these things, Lord. So help us to follow your word and help us to give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be, and uh, today I'm just going to read one verse, so I won't ask you to stand, but I felt like this is a verse that really summarizes what, uh, what I'm trying to do here today, and so uh, this one verse I'll read to you, Ephesians 4, 32, says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Lord, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit, whom we've already felt among us today and in us. We pray that uh, he would speak, that he would minister, and that he would draw those to repentance and faith. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I, I wanted to start this series and this message with something that I hear a lot. And, and in the past, when I was a younger Christian, I, I said it myself, and I have since then changed my feelings on it. But I, I understand when people say this, their intention behind it and the well-meaningness behind it, but I don't believe that we can say it with 100% biblical accuracy. And, and that saying is, sin is sin. Sin is sin. In one sense, we understand that, that the greatest to the least of sins will condemn us. We, we understand that, but I think that's where that statement ends. Because even when we look in the Old Testament at the law, if sin was sin, why would God be so specific and give such varying degrees of punishment if every sin was equal? Some sins were worthy of death. Some sins were worthy of just uh, uh, you know, being excommunicated or set aside for a certain time or a cleansing needed to be made. So I don't think it's completely accurate for us to say that all sin is sin and every sin is equal. I think the Bible shows us varying degrees of sin uh, in our lives. And why I say that for this message today is this. I don't think any of us would, would say that we're comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges if someone stole $5 from you versus if someone murdered your child. Those are, that might be an extreme example but you get the understanding. We wouldn't say, well, they're both the same. They're both wrong. Yes, they were. But we can't even compare those two actions against us. And I think that's important because forgiveness is required for both of those situations. But navigating through forgiving somebody that stole $5 for us is going to look a lot different than forgiving someone that murdered our child. Amen? And so I think it's important that we take that aspect into things when we talk about the topic of forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said that forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have someone to forgive. And that's really true. It's easy to stand up here this morning and to preach to you and, and get hopefully a few amens from the things that is said from the Word of God. But when it is you in real life, in real time, that has someone that has hurt you, betrayed you, uh, let your trust down, whatever... Man, that comes really tough, doesn't it? It gets tough. It does. And I think one thing that's important is, is the way that we talk to ourselves when we're in those situations. When we've been wrong, our feelings are on heightened alert, if you will. Uh, anytime we see that person, all kinds of stuff rises up in us, right? Or maybe we just try to avoid that person. We see them at the store and we run down another aisle and, and hide in the clothes rack so they don't see us right? Whatever, whatever might happen. Uh, I think that we talk to ourselves. We have that conversation. I've told you this before. We have a conversation with ourselves all day long. Uh, we're constantly saying things to ourselves, and most of the studies that I've read on, over 85% of what we say to ourselves is negative. So you're having a constant conversation with yourself, and most of the time it's negative. And when it comes to forgiveness, it's no different. Because most of the time, when we think about what someone did to us, when we're holding on to that grudge, when we're holding on to that bitterness, we say, I just can't forgive them. I just can't forgive them. And that one little word convinces us that we can't do it. We can't, we can't, we can't. And this morning, I, I want to challenge you with, with that, if that's been your thought. And it's, it's this, that it's not that you can't forgive them, it's that you won't. There's a difference. It's not that you can't. It's that you've made a conscious decision because your emotions are still there, your, your hurt is still real, the wound is still fresh, you said, I won't. I won't. You've got you to gotta get that first. You have to move beyond I can't to 
So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the situation is you won't. You won't right now. You won't forgive. So when we talk about forgiveness, when we look at our, our verse today, be kind to one another, tenderhearting, forgiving one another as, Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. What in the world is the Bible talking about when it uses the word forgiveness? It uses different terms in the Greek, and I'm not going to get technical this morning with you about that. But the main word that we see here used for forgive, forgiving, forgiveness is a word charizmomai. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, the root of that is charis, which we get our word grace from. We talk a lot about grace. It's something that is undeserved. It's something that is unearned. It's something that God freely gives to us. And so the root of, of forgiving, charizomai, is the same idea. It is giving favor to someone. It's extending an offer that they don't deserve. That's really what forgiveness is all about, to extend grace. And again, we don't want to do that with someone that's hurt us. We don't want to do that with someone that's betrayed us. It's hard to extend favor and kindness to someone that in the moment right now we just don't like very much. It's hard to give that offer. And so I, I think when we hold on to that unforgiveness, I tried to, tried to visualize what that looks like. I, I've had those issues in my life over the years, and I'm sure you have too. And when you hold on to unforgiveness, it's kind of like a tree, but all sorts of different fruit grows on that tree. The unforgiveness will not stop there. And if you're honest, you know this. Unforgiveness will not just stop with unforgiveness. It will bloom bitterness. It will bloom misery. It will bloom cynicism. It will bloom anger. All sorts of other things will come the longer you hold on to that unforgiveness. I know you've experienced it because it is the reality for every human being. Those other things will definitely come out in your life if you hold on to unforgiveness. There was a, a, an old minister uh, by the last name of Temple, Archbishop Temple, and he said this. I thought this was really good. To return evil for good is devilish. So to return evil when you've been done good is devilish. He goes on to say to return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. Think about that. We can be good as human beings to people that are good to us. You, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing, right? That's not tough. There are some really bad people that sometimes take advantage of folks that do good and they return it for evil. We see scammers today. You know, a lot of people out of the goodness of their heart will give and they take advantage of them. But when someone wrongs you and you still treat them good, that takes the Spirit of God. That takes something bigger than us to be able to do. And so I want to give you a few things this morning that I hope will help you and help me uh, as well in this area of our life that we struggle with, and that is forgiveness. So here's the first one. When we think about forgiveness, if you ever want to get to a place in your life where you can truly forgive, you have got to learn to separate the actions from the person. That's, that's number one. You have got to learn and understand that to forgive a person, you have to separate them from their actions. Now, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I am not saying that we pretend that their actions weren't real or that their actions didn't hurt us or that their actions shouldn't carry consequences. 
All of those things are still true. I'm not saying we just pretend that something bad didn't happen. Okay? That's not what we're saying. But we are saying that to forgive the person, you have got to separate them from the action that they committed against you. Because we've been talking a lot about, on Wednesday nights, spiritual warfare. And we've been going through Ephesians 6, and we've been talking about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we've, we've tried to make the point that behind every wicked, sinful, evil action is a demonic force, a demonic host, a kingdom of darkness that is controlling, manipulating, deceiving folks into committing these actions, right? And so when we, when we talk about uh, forgiving, we've got to separate the person from the action. In 1 Corinthians 13, the great chapter about love, the Apostle Paul lists a lot of things. And in the NIV, which I don't use very often, but I, I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, at the end of that verse, the NIV says, love keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. Think about what it's saying there. If, if you replay over and over and over every action that has been done against you over the years, and it says record of wrongs. These were wrong things. But if you continue to keep your list and every time you start to have bitter feelings, you get that list out and you say, yep, they did that, man, they did that, and they did that. And you go down through that. By the time you get about four, four or five check marks down, you're worked all up again. It could have happened 20 years ago and you're as mad as the day it happened because you've got to separate the person, person from the action. You've got to see that that person is what we're forgiving. Not the wrongs that they've done, per se, but the person that needs that grace extended from us as Christ has done for us. Their action is going to elicit a reaction in you. Your reaction should be according to the Word of God, not what your flesh wants to do. And that's tough, but don't say, I can't. If you're struggling with this this morning, the way to get past this is repentance. You've got to get right with God, and you've got to get right with those people. And so don't, don't sit there and say, well, he don't know what they did to me. If he knew what they did to me, he'd, change, he'd, he'd preach a different message. Because the reality is, I'm not diminishing the hurt that you've felt. Believe me, I've felt hurt too. And it's not easy to forgive. But you've got to say this morning, if, you, if you're really struggling with it, say, Lord, you've got to soften my heart because I realize, at least if nothing else this morning, it's not that I can, it's that I won't. And you've got to change my heart to get me past the, the, the won't stage of things. So, number one, you've got to separate the person and the actions. You've got to see them as a person made in the image of God who is prone to sin just like you are. And they, they have sinned, and unfortunately that sin this time was against you, so you feel it uh, a lot more. But you've got to be able to look at that person and say, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive that person. Number two. I want you to see this. In John 13, 34, so we are, we are on the scene now of Jesus in the upper room. He's teaching his disciples. He's going to have the Last Supper with them. He, he's, he's telling them that the hour is just about here now where he's going to be betrayed, and they're trying to figure out who it is. And then that great servant scene uh, in John 13 where Jesus, after the supper, gets down, puts the towel around him, and washes the disciples' dirty feet. Okay? But... Notice what he says in John 13, 34. You'll be familiar with this verse, I'm, I'm sure many of you will be. He says, a new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another. Now that's hard enough, because sometimes we're all unlovable. Sometimes it's not easy to love people. Amen? But he doesn't stop there. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now look how he, how he finishes this up. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Well, that just blows it out of the water, doesn't it? It's not bad. It's bad enough, he said, we got to love each other. But now he sets a standard for us. He says, not only do you have to love each other, I'm the standard. And my love for you is the standard that you're going to keep. Again, we can't do this, church, in our own strength. It's impossible. There isn't one of you in this room or watching online that can say, I can love the way that Jesus loved me. There's no way that that can be done in, in, in human strength. It's a divine kind of love. And here's the thing that I want you to get from what Jesus is saying here. The forgiveness that we experience in Christ is solely from grace because God loves us. It has nothing to do with our actions. If God looked at our actions and determined that that was the, the measuring stick, he'd never love any of us. He'd never love any of us. Have you ever thought about that? The reason that Christ came to redeem sinners is because of obedience to the Father and his great love for his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's not that you have done the right amount of good works to earn God's forgiveness or to keep God's forgiveness. He loves us because he loves us because God is love not because our actions are worthy of it. No one in this room who has been forgiven by Christ or no one in this room that is in need of forgiveness from Christ is worthy of that. None of us are worthy of the gift that Christ offered in himself on the cross. But he gave it to us freely. And here's the thing. If we could earn it, then we wouldn't need salvation. And if we could earn forgiveness, we wouldn't need that either. We would just go out and work a little harder and get it ourselves. And so that applies when we need to forgive someone else. If we're to love like Christ loves and we're to forgive like Christ forgave us, then we've got to understand that that person isn't worthy of it. Duh. We know that. We know that. And again, it comes back to the fact that we don't want to forgive them. I won't forgive them. They hurt me this bad. I will not do it. I will not allow myself to be made a fool. I will not allow myself to be exposed to be hurt again. Listen, again, forgiveness does not mean that there shouldn't be boundaries. We're not saying that if something terrible happened, again, I'll use your children, for example. If someone, if someone did something terrible to your child, I'm not saying forgive them and let them babysit again next week. That would be foolish. That would not be using wisdom. It's good to have boundaries, to have guardrails, to have safety measures, Right? But forgiving does not mean that you have to excuse the offense, per se, the consequences of that offense. But you have to look to the person and forgive them, as Christ did, in grace. Here's number three. Now that I've given you a few examples from Scripture, you understand the verses. You can say, yes, Pastor talked about 1 Corinthians 13 and John 13, and I, I know those passages. I know what he said. Forgive like Jesus does. Love keeps no record of wrong. Got it, Pastor. Here's the third one. 
Now that you know the verses, you have to choose to obey them. You have to choose to obey, and obedience means that you're going to have to forgive. That's one of the bad things about coming to church. You have no more excuse when you leave here about not knowing what you need to do. When you don't come to church, you can at least try to say, well, I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me that. Guess what, guys? Thank you for coming today. I'm glad you're here, but now you have no excuse either because you know what you need to do. Now it boils down to am I going to obey or am I not? Am I going to obey or am I not? Because what causes us to have so much problem with this issue is we need to understand that forgiving is a choice, but we turn it into a feeling. Now think about that for a minute. What is the big obstacle that we have to forgiving? Our feelings. We get all in our feelings when we start to think about certain people. We get all in our feelings when we start to think about what they did to us. And those feelings are so strong and the pull is so, so, so immense that we throw logic out the window, we throw the word of God out the window, and we say, well, I've made my choice. They're going to they're gonna just stay unforgiven. I'm just going to avoid them. I'm not going to speak to them. They did me wrong and I'm done. And so there, here's the issue with that. You know what you need to do. You've chosen to not do it. Now guess who God's going to deal with? you he's going to deal with them anyway vengeance is his it's not ours it's his but now you have put yourself in a place where your disobedience is going to cause God to deal with you if you're a true believer and now we we have to go back to what Jesus taught before we worry about the speck in our brother's eye we got a big old plank in ours right and so you're not even able to to judge righteously any longer because in your mind you're right and they're wrong and so the Bible says we are to judge righteous judgment, but we've thrown that out the window because what was the standard? Love as Christ loves. We've made ourselves the standard. Well, I get to determine who's worthy and who's not, and I determine that by my feelings, and right now they're not worthy. And that's how we feel. And so we have taken everything, flipped it upside down, and forgiveness in that moment seems impossible because we're going off feeling not based on what we need to do. Here's a big one, number four. And I hope that you'll, you'll understand this because I know I've talked to many people that struggle with this. Forgiveness is an event, but it's also a process. A lot of people think, well, when he gets done talking, I'm going to go up there to that altar and I'm going to pray and I'm going to go home and I'm going to forgive everybody in my life that's ever done me wrong and I'll never have a problem with this again. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You need to, you need to take... A moment an event and say I, I've heard the word of God the spirit is dealing with me I have said that I can't and the problem is that I won't and I want to change that today I want to make a, a commitment to the Lord that I am going to forgive people you need to do that salvation is in a one-time event we call upon the name of the Lord and we are saved but in the sense that we then begin this process of sanctification that takes a lifetime and forgiveness is the same way Remember the story that uh, Jesus told good old Peter when Peter thought he had figured out forgiveness? And he said, Lord, I've been thinking about this. This is my paraphrase. Lord, I've been thinking a lot about this forgiveness idea. And I think I've got it figured out. If somebody does me wrong, what do you think about this, Jesus? I would forgive them seven times. How about that? And Jesus says to him, How about, Peter, 
seven times 70. Not meaning that we ought to keep a list and when somebody hits 490 that we're done forgiving them. <laughs> Don't do that. Tear up your list this morning. But the idea is that he uses, he uses 7 and 10, which is our numbers of perfection and completion, to give a teaching that we never stop forgiving. We never stop offering grace to people. But here's the thing. Someone may sin against you 490 times, or they may sin against you one time, and you recall that same thing over 490 times. But the response is still the same. At some point, you've got to go to that person and you've got to say, listen, I want to be honest about our situation. What you did hurt me and what you did was wrong, but I want you to know that I forgive you for that. I forgive you for that because Christ forgave me. How can I hold a grudge against you? That's the event. That's the event. But when you go home and you lay down in bed and say, man, phew, I can sleep good tonight now. Got my conscience cleared. Somebody's going to come and start this again. And he's going to throw up all kinds of stuff. Well, they sure didn't act very appreciative when you, when you said that to them. They didn't, they didn't act like they really appreciated you. And here you go again. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They, they should have been more. They should have hugged my neck or they should have said more about something. And, and before you know it, you're ready to call them up and say, remember what I said earlier? Forget it. Right? It's the truth, because forgiveness is an event, but it's a process. You're going to have moments where that stuff comes back, and again, it's your feelings are going to get you all tore up. And in those moments, you've got to say, God, I have, I have made a decision to forgive. I need your help, Lord. I went to that person. I did what I'm supposed to do, but man, I'm right back in this bad place again, Lord. Help me to continue to forgive. Because listen, when we, when we sin... Uh, before we were saved, we had to repent and come to Christ. But after we got saved, did we stop repenting? Of course not. Not that we had to keep getting saved over and over again, but we do continue to sin, and so we continue to need to repent and ask the Lord to change our hearts and conform us to His image. Forgiveness is a process that's going to go on. And oftentimes people beat themselves up over and over and over again because they're like, man, I forgave this person like Pastor said I'm supposed to. I tried to obey what the Word tells me, and I keep thinking about it, and I keep feeling like I didn't forgive him. That's your problem. You keep feeling. You've got to let it go. A lot of times people struggle with their own salvation because they say, I just don't feel like I'm saved. Well, there is a verse in the Bible that says you're supposed to always feel like you're saved. The promise of the Word of God is what you rest on, not your feelings. The Lord said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, if the Holy Spirit really has done a work in your life and you come genuinely repentant and exercise faith, then based on the word of God, Christ will save you and the evidence of that is a changed life. And if you have those realities to look upon, there's going to be days where you still don't feel saved. But according to Christ, you are. According to the word of God, you are. And if you forgave someone from the heart, they're forgiven. You have forgiven them even when those feelings come back up again, okay? Let me give you another one because this ties into it. What about, what about when we have those memories and the anger and it comes back and back again? Do I have to forget? Do I have to forget what they did to me? Again, we have to separate the person from the action. And sometimes the actions carry with them consequences, especially if a law was broken, Right? If a law was broken, you shouldn't say, well, I'm going to forgive them and I'm not going to go to the police because I, 
If a law is broken, the, the authority should be notified. Right? We have a legal system and it needs to play out. I'm not saying you just dismiss sinful or law-breaking acts. I'm not saying that in the least bit. But we can still forgive. But the question is, do I have to forget? Has anybody figured out how to do that? Like if we had the men in black thing, the mind, the little thing, and you snap the light and if your brain's erased. But we can't turn off our thoughts, but we can take them captive. Amen? We can't, we can't stop thoughts from entering our brain, but we can stop them from staying there. And that's, again, where this whole thing comes back into play. When we start dwelling on that stuff, when we start listening to that voice, when our emotions start getting worked up, then here we go. We're headed down the wrong path. As soon as that stuff comes in, you've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it when it comes in. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes, like I said, you need to avoid certain people. Maybe that boundary needs to be there and you just can't be around that person. Because there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There is a difference. Forgiveness just takes you. Reconciliation takes both parties. And sometimes reconciliation isn't wise. Sometimes it's best that if they've done some horrible wrong, again, I keep using this example, but to your children, it's probably best that you don't be around that person, right? But forgiveness means that in some sense, we can't forget, but we've got to deal with those thoughts when they come up. We've got to deal with the thoughts as soon as they come up because the more you dwell on them, the longer they're going to eat at you and the harder it's going to be to forgive or to continue to forgive. I'm glad that for the Lord... He doesn't struggle like we do with our sins. Hebrews 8.12 says this, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, let me ask you this. Look at that verse. Look at what it's saying there. I'll be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. The Lord is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. Past, present, future. Question. Is it possible for God to literally forget our sins? No. It's impossible. God doesn't learn anything, and he doesn't forget anything. So what in the world is this verse saying? He's saying he makes a choice because of the blood of Christ to not hold those sins over you any longer. He knows what you did, but he also knows what Jesus did. And he knows that the blood that Christ shed is able to cleanse you of your sin and forgive you. And the righteousness of Jesus has been given to you in place of your sinfulness so that your sin-stained robes are now clothed in white. And when Christ, when God looks at you, he sees Christ. It's not that he forgot and erased his memory. He makes a conscious choice to not remember. And you have to make a choice too. You can't erase your brain, clear your hard drive out, and not remember anymore. But you can make a choice to say, I will not allow this past experience to continue to drag me down into bitterness and unforgiveness. One of the greatest examples of this, I think, that I've heard of is a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boom. Probably some of you have heard of that name. She was in the Nazi concentration camps and made it through, lost her sister and other family members during that difficult time. But imagine needing to forgive your captors the people that had imprisoned you and your people and starved you to death and worked you to death and shot you uh, for pleasure and all the horrible things, the horrific things that happened in the concentration camps. Imagine coming face to face with those people and having to forgive them according to the Word of God. 
she obviously, as we would be too, struggled with that. And she went to an old Lutheran pastor and asked him how she could overcome these feelings of unforgiveness towards these people that had done her so wrong. And here was his answer. I think this is a great illustration. He said to her this. He said, Corey, up in the church tower is a bell. And that bell is rung by pulling on a rope. When the sexton, which was a man that rang the bell, when the sexton pulls the rope, the bell peels out its, its ding-dong, ding-dong. What happens if he doesn't pull the rope again? Slowly the sound fades away. He said, forgiveness is like that. When we forgive someone, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. We've got to let go of the rope and stop jerking that rope to ring that bell over and over again. Last one, and I'm done. I want you to think about this verse. We've heard this verse, but I want you to look at it in light of this topic this morning. Jesus on the cross. There are seven sayings of Christ on the cross. This is one of them. Luke 23, 34. <clears throat> says there, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. I want you to look at that verse. If you write in your Bible, I want you to do this. I want you to highlight or underline the word what. Look at what Jesus said there. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, a lot of times we say this. I would forgive that person if they would admit how much they hurt me. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What's he saying there? They knew what they were doing. They were crucifying this man. They were killing him. They were mocking him and making a jest of his life as they watched him slowly die an agonizing death. How can Jesus say they don't know what they are doing? They didn't understand who it was that they were crucifying. They didn't understand the depth of their sin. Oftentimes people sin against you and me. And on the surface they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. But sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And oftentimes our actions that we do know about will lead to consequences that we never dreamed of. And that's the difference. And that's what I think Jesus is really saying here. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they are crucifying the very one that has came to give them life. They don't know that they are crucifying the Messiah. They don't know what they're doing. And oftentimes, people commit sins, or we commit sins against others, and we know what we were doing, but we don't realize the depth of the magnitude that's going to come. A cheating spouse, in the moment, knows what they're doing, but they don't realize until afterwards the devastation that it leaves behind. The broken families, the hurt children, the lost jobs. That stuff spreads because they didn't know what they were doing at the time. And it becomes evident later. The abusive parent in that time, they know what they're doing. They know they shouldn't treat their child that way. But as it spreads and as it grows and as it lingers, the devastation, the heartbreak, the, the mental issues that follow, you see, oftentimes they don't know what they're doing. 
And here's the thing. When we say, I'd forgive them if they would admit how much they hurt me. I want to read to you what one writer said about that. He said, they cannot crawl into your skin and feel as you felt. They can never enter into your pain. Your sorrows are yours alone. But, listen to this, if you make your pain the price of forgiveness, you will never forgive because no one else can ever pay that price. Man, that's deep. That is deep. I'm going to read that again. If you make your pain the price of forgiveness, you will never forgive because no one else can ever pay that price. Mm. To forgive us costs Christ his life. And for you to forgive people will cost something. It may cost a little, it may cost a lot. But it is going to cost you something. The first thing it will cost you is your pride. Because you've got to get past that. If you're going to extend that charizomai, that, that gracious kindness, you're going to have to get past your pride. I'm going to read one more commentary here to you, and then I'm going to invite Vincent Whitehead to come up here with me and help me with something as we close out. It says this, In order to come to grips with the healing power of forgiveness, we need two things, soft hearts and courage. Some of us have been deeply hurt by the things others have done to us. People have attacked us, maligned us, mistreated us, abused us, sexually assaulted us, ridiculed us, belittled us, publicly humiliated us, physically beaten us, and have done it deliberately, repeatedly, viciously. In response, we choose to become hard on the inside to protect ourselves from any further pain. But that hardness, he says has made it difficult for us to hear the gentle call of the Holy Spirit. We need soft hearts to hear His voice. And then we need courage. The timid, he says, will never forgive. Only the brave will forgive. Only the strong will have the courage to let go of the past. I'm going to ask Vincent to come up here and help me with this. I want you to see this illustration. And I want you to think about what you've heard today and what you're going to see today. Because forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is what we need. C.S. Lewis said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So I want you to think about this. So, so here is Vincent. Most of you know Vincent. And Vincent has been all sorts of mad for a while now because he's holding on to all sorts of feelings towards someone that hurt him, and he just can't forgive that person. This isn't real, by the way. This is just made up. So don't, don't have bad thoughts about Vincent. So, so Vincent has all these thoughts, and, and Vincent's going to hold up these signs because this is what some of you look like today, sometimes what I look like when I'm going through this. So Vincent thinks about what was done wrong to him, and before long he's, he's all kinds of bitter about it. And then that bitterness, he starts to justify it. So you're probably going to have to take this in one hand to hold on to all these. And then gonna, he starts thinking about it. And then all these feelings come up, and, and, he, and that hurt starts replaying over and over again in his mind. And so then, then he gets mad about it. So, so now he's angry. He's walking around, and he's angry. And for long, that starts to make him, he can't, Alyssa can't stand to be around him. 
because he's miserable. He's got all this misery. And then, and then he gets mad at Alyssa, so he's got resentment. He's got resentment. And that's how some of you look this morning. And then he hears a message about forgiveness. And God says, Vincent, you need to forgive. And so he says, well, tell you what, I'll, I'll tuck that away and I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Now, if Vincent really wanted to forgive, what's he need to do first? And then he can pick that up. Thank you. Maybe these are your problems this morning. You can leave them up there, brother. Just leave them there. And this is what you need this morning. This is what you need. The praise team is going to come, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Maybe your struggle this morning is just, I won't forgive. Lord, I, I, I know pastor's right, I know you're right, but I just can't do it right now. You're going to have to work in my heart and make me usable, make me obedient. Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're past that and you say, you know what, you're right, I need to forgive. That event needs to start, it needs to start today. Lord, help me to have courage and boldness to make some phone calls, to go pay a visit to people, to walk across the aisle in church and hug somebody's neck that I've been holding on to bitterness towards. My prayer is that you will listen to the Lord this morning. Most of all, maybe you're saying, I need that forgiveness that Pastor was talking about from Jesus. If you would come today, you can have that. If you'll confess those sins to Christ and ask Him to change your heart and make you a new creature in Christ, He'll do that for you. No matter what you've done, He can forgive you this morning. He loves you enough that He came and died on the cross for your sin. You've got to believe that, and you've got to trust Him with it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your love and forgiveness to us. And Lord, it's my prayer today that as we've looked at this struggle that all of us, if we're honest, deal with, that you would help each and every person in this room to make a uh, decision today about the issue that they're facing, Lord. To forgive one another, to forgive their family, to forgive their coworkers, their neighbors, whatever it is, Lord. There's no greater example. There's nothing that the world needs to see more right now than believers living the truth. And in our forgiveness and love towards people that don't deserve it, man, there's no answer for that except that they are different. And I want what they have. So, Lord, so help us to be the light and the example by forgiving one another in Christ. And, Lord, have your way now in this invitation. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing.